Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Caped Crusader in Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. This rollicking adventure told across 10 episodes is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas, includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy, and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman, the audio adventures only on HBO Max. Welcome to another episode of Countdown to Infinity of Marvel's Avengers podcast. And if you are watching this on Patreon, then you're watching it because we are recording video. But if you're listening to this on the public feed, you cannot see us. And maybe you are the real winners. Who knows? No, I think I think uh, it, this 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 paywall. It's worth it because I yes. am wearing close to nothing at the moment, and I think that's just it's what you get here. Oh boy! All of us have incredible lighting setups. Um, I mean, just it looks spectacular. Yeah, Delphin yeah. looks like he's inside of a strip club bathroom. <laughs> the, the, I am. The light, the light just changed color. I mean, guys, you are missing some truly uh, amazing. It also stuff. It, it reminds me of some uh, La La Land aesthetic too. Mm. Mm. Well, I you, get that too. You're both right. I am on break from the strip club where I strip to the music from La La Land, and it's a <laughs> well, very particular audience in here. It's a lot of. It'd be me if I knew where <laughs> I that know. was. That sounds great. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, and then I explain jazz to you uh, while you throw dollar bills at me. Anyways, this is our. This is not our La La Land stripping podcast. We are starting. A, well, a, a brand new three episode series mini season in preparation for Spider-Man No Way Home, which releases this week. It's me and Lex. We're talking each of the actors that get to play the Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. And this is episode one. So that means we're talking Tobey Maguire. I thought of every Spider-Man actor for him right now. We're, we're talking Tobey Maguire. Really, I think the formative Spider-Man for us, because we are men of a certain age. Yep. But are you excited? Lex, are you excited to go through the the, the Rolodex of the three men who <laughs> the, got to play Spider-Man? The gigantic list of, of actors. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, I'm super excited. Spider-Man's a character that's very close to my heart. And I, I think going through this list, it's not only nostalgic, but, you know, we're, we're analyzing, you know, what elements we liked about each of them. And ultimately I know it's still like speculation and stuff, but ultimately if we do get to see the, the, the three Spider-Man on on the same film, I think it's just gonna, you know, what we're going to be talking about through this series, it's just going to throw back to that moment and kind of build it up. If, if anything, 
I mean, and can you imagine if they don't appear in the movie, then yeah. all of these episodes will immediately be deleted. <laughs> yes. Because you guys will, will not, uh, will not remember this happened at all. <laughs> we would have wasted some time. I know. But also from what we're hearing in the movie, it is good to have kind of just a base level knowledge of the Spider-Man, but also the villains yeah. that are introduced in all of their movies. Cause I mean, we see them in the trailers. We know that at least a hundred of them are in no way home. Yes, so. the guy that the guy that charges rent, he he's confirmed to be to be back. And wow, the guy that charges rent. Thirty thirty minutes of this episode is dedicated to his story alone. What was he doing yes. before? When did he become a property owner? Yes, and 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 what are the difficulties of this Biden economy and how it has? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, we're on, we're episode one. We're talking about Tobey Maguire, and really in conjunction with Sam Raimi and his take on the films, and we've got a guest who knows directors because he has a podcast about directors, auteurs, the other kinds. And it's Brent from Director Show. Brent, welcome to our very special inaugural three-episode series. You're a third of our, gu- of our, of our guests. Oh, man. What a, uh, what a great honor it is. Honestly, yeah, thanks for having me on this uh, like flagship uh, episode, the first in a trilogy uh of of podcast that by what you said before we started the schedule these are dropping uh boy these are dropping hot these are dropping hot off the presses uh right up until this movie comes out um yeah. but uh yeah thanks for having me on uh, especially talking what i'll say is my favorite spider man wow wow actually um, yeah. yeah i'm not even Lex, we haven't even we haven't even talked about that yet yeah i'm not even uh, well i'll say oh, it. i mean it is, sure. it is my, okay, fr- okay, it is my okay. favorite one <laughs> Well, I mean, this is this is kind of a, a, a these for us at least the Sam Raimi Spider Man films, Spider Man One or wait, Spider Man, Spider Man Two, Spider Man Three. They didn't have back in the day. I'm talking to you, millennials. They didn't have little subtitles. Y'all kids of Spider-Man. don't know. Y'all kids, you, you don't know what it's like to just look at a number. <laughs> um, but they're th- these are special because they're kind of came out in that formative year they're marketed towards us we were preteens slash teens around the same time lex you're the youngest yeah you were a toddler i believe yeah um, but these <laughs> these movies were kind of geared to us and that may be why we feel so affectionate to them but lex how did you feel in the if you could put yourself back in pampers yeah or i assume you look like a pull-ups baby but <laughs> what what put yourself back in those pull-ups and like what how are you feeling were, were your parents excited about the spider-man movies or was it just you you know no screaming? They, they, lack, they they believed uh movies would would alter my mind so i i, I <laughs> actually just saw the, the the sam raimi films uh yesterday for the first time uh, wow and no just kidding uh well quick question before i go on Typically, I understand size doesn't matter, but I am noticing that my the wavelength on my microphone they're really tiny. Oh, you're fine. Oh, is oh, that fine? Yes. Okay, you're yeah, good. it's cool. fine. You're okay, good. sorry for that. It'll little... be bad. It... Look, Brent and I have big ones, but it's okay. Okay, Lex, it's fine. no shame. I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a, 
uh, is is it called wavelength? No, not not wavelength. What are these called? Uh, little. Uh, I, think, I think that's what they're called. Okay, I'm I not. Think a, I'm not a wavelength. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, shower. I'm just. I'm, I'm a grower, so it's okay. You're a grower, and it's it's cold so outside. Wait, but the weather. But, that, but that's Lex. That's bad for us. If your wavelength, if your audio slowly gets louder and louder until you're peaking, I don't want that. I didn't say, say, I didn't say like, when. What you, is happening? Yeah, I didn't say when you grow. I, I mean, I'm, I might not grow today. That's true. It, it could. Take and you know years. what? If these. According to For my the doctor. adults out there, if, if these wavelengths are analogous to uh, some other parts of us, then mine will be over yours very quickly Yours are just here. crazy. That's like some big wavelength energy. Like uh, Your, Yours understand. are all peaking. Your, like, from yeah, what your I'm breathing seeing here. is peaking. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, it's, I'm at the seven-minute mark, so I'm about to be asleep. Okay. Um, but Lex. <laughs> yes, sorry. But Lex, <laughs> um, back to topic. I'm sorry, guys. I just I, I didn't want that to hinder the episode in any way. Well, we are we are recording remotely, so for all you weirdos out there, yes, it's 2021. <laughs> uh, but no, I my parents were surprisingly like really excited for this movie. Um, what I do recall is, I mean, I, I was fairly young. So just, just for context, in 2002, I was seven. Uh-oh, get ready, get ready to feel old. I, I, I was seven. So, uh, you know, hmm. when I was a kid, I understood how movies worked. I, I understood what I liked and what I didn't. Uh, but I remember very specifically, compared to today, like the many TV spots that I've seen for no way home now the trailers that the 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 speculation talks like the breakdowns of the trailers that was nothing back then right like you know so i think just walking freshly into a movie and i i knew who spider-man was based on the animated series and stuff and so so to see it in live action though you know we had x-men and blade beforehand if i'm not mistaken um i wait your parents let you watch Blade? Wow. I think so. Yeah, they didn't care. <laughs> uh, I, I think I watched Blade. But I think I think if it it might have been no, I don't think it was censored. Anyways, um the the I guess what I was trying to say is that for some reason, I know there was an animated version of X-Men, but to get a live action of X-Men, to me it just it felt cool, but it wasn't like a big wow moment. But seeing Spider-Man turn into live action, for me, I remember as a kid, that was a wow moment. I was excited. I was like, I can't believe like we're getting, you know, a real, real live action uh, take on this. So yeah, in my my parents, I think their excitement for the film in itself, it just kind of, um, it, it kind of like, you know, gave me even more hype behind what what a movie and at that point yeah like you didn't know if this was going to lead to a sequel and stuff like that right like at this point we know tom holland has another one working on right so like once again i think looking back at these movies there's also a sense of purity in terms of how there's not a lot of noise behind it it's just you're there to have a good time and watch the movie and that's it exactly so uh, it's great to look back and think of, of the feeling Wow. Yeah, super. I mean, these Raimi films were definitely history-making, the first of their kind in whatever scope they end up being, and uh, really, really special stuff. Brent, I know that uh, I know that you were probably a Spidey Whitey fan. <laughs> a Spidey Whitey fan. You bet I was. Uh, I don't know what that means. I was... <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, I was definitely. Uh, so I was, I was born in 90, so... I, I was about 11, I think, when this movie was coming out. Already and a man. I, already a man compared already, to Lex. Yeah. Already a man. You're, I believe you were in your second job, mid-management. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
you know, in the middle of my high school, uh, you know, junior year, um, I jumped some, some grades. I didn't, that's a lie. Uh, but no, I, uh, yeah, these, these movies were huge for me. Like in, in, in Lex really hit upon a lot of the reasons why, like a thing that I didn't even kind of think about beforehand, but was also really vital for like my context, seeing these movies was the animated series. Like I, anytime that show was on and I could catch it, like I would always watch it. So I had, I wasn't a big comics kid. Like I, I wasn't at all. So I barely read comics growing up, but like Tobey Maguire, he doesn't read and he says he'll never read comic books. I mean, yeah, well, I like him now. I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) you know, Toby and I differ in that department. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, you you also don't have a a gambling thing. He's like, he's like my movie. My movie is the only story you should follow of (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. Toby McGuire. He thought Spider-Man was a original character that he was creating. He was like, damn, like (laughs) Sony executives are brilliant. Like how do they come up with this shit? (laughs) How did they come up with this? How did they cook this stuff up? Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think when I saw the first movie, I was going into it with that love of the animated series, the 90s one. Um, and it just totally blew me away. And um, are we just just only kind of talking about the first one or like this in general? No, we'll talk about all of them. Well, let's talk about general. Well, I'll introduce the first movie here in a bit. But before that, I'll just say, uh, these movies are really great. I agree with both of you. I, I feel like this, I, I feel like it was hard. It's harder now to have one thing be the conversation. Um, like this movie was going to school. There was no talk of other things, no other movies, no other TV shows. It was just Spider-Man. And now it does feel like you could, you could go into a conversation and I don't know how many times I've heard, Oh, have you seen this thing? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And yeah. they, then proceed to tell me why I'm dumb. But I feel like at the time, especially even by the third Spider-Man, it was still like a vacuum. And, you know, these movies, highest grossing superhero movies of the time, some of them the highest grossing movies up until the moment, until James Cameron came in with his blue, tall alien people. But uh, yeah, super formative. And it's it, it makes sense that Tobey Maguire is a favorite. And actually, in a recent poll, he is still the favorite Spider-Man actor of all time, even after all of Tom Holland's stuff. But of course, we'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, Amazing Spider- or sorry, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Spider-Man comes out in 2002. Uh, it introduces us to Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker after a long search for a director. You know, they've been trying to make Spider-Man movies since the 80s. M. Night Shyamalan, uh, Roger Corman, uh, M. Night M. Night Shyamalan twist. I said him again. Because um, he was Fincher was gonna. He was considered yeah. twice. <laughs> Tim, uh, Tim, Tim Burton, James Cameron has a famous fighter, and and they landed on Sam Raimi because he was just such a huge fan and had a really big devotion to the character, and they cast Tobey Maguire. Uh, because of Cider House rules and his dramatic turn and Sony thinking that, wow, maybe we can have like a pretty serious Spider-Man, which was not what, what exactly what happened. Um, and then, of course, we have Willem Dafoe, James Franco, a lot of really A-list actors. But, uh, uh, but Lex, what did you think about the first Spider-Man movie when you went in? Obviously, you were seven, so you were just happy to be there, happy to get a booster seat because remember those things? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You had your little like kids tray of like you know your what? like uh, popcorn. I, yeah, candy I didn't. Yeah, drink. I didn't use that at seven. But actually, I you guys just reminded <laughs> me of, of those of those seats. Of booster seats. Yeah, I still love those all the time. I, I still use one. <laughs> 
I'd, I'd like to rem- to remember when's the last time that I used that. But I mean, I remember also like intermissions and stuff. Like people don't know what that's yeah. about. But and then no, and then just like a blank screen before the trailers start uh, instead oh, of a, God, yeah. instead of someone like doing a commercial yeah. or something. Like, hey, no no is, Maria Menounos. I, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> And no trivia. The trivia's are fun. I enjoy that part. Well, now but, now this pod is just old people being upset about stuff. Dr. Mind. Desmania Menounos. And they're trivias. But Lex, oh. what did you what do you remember? What do you think? What did you think about the first movie? Even just revisiting it revisiting it now? Yeah, so uh I think from the from the get-go, like, you know, uh I was seven, but the way that the movie opens, like you initially start feeling emotion when listening to, uh, to you know, to the the score that Danny Elfman. Uh, Danny is his first name, right? Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call okay. him. I call him Dan. Yeah, Dan. Dan Demand Elfman. Uh, no, but you admit you, you know the he movie, probably hates that. <laughs> the movie. Hey, Dan the Man Elfman. <laughs> The movie uh, opens, you know, you start hearing this score, which it's is composed in such a way to instill emotion. But then you have a narration like, you know, to an extent that formula, it's a very two, early 2000s thing. But, you know, the narration immediately took me back to the animated series where you would consistently get monologue from Peter Parker. Uh, but then you start seeing, you know, an approachable guy, dorky, he's being made fun of. So so, you know, as a kid, you immediately start making connections of perhaps, you know, hey, I've dealt with this or, you know, some kids are mean in school or whatever. I, I'm just kind of like, once again, setting the tone as far as like, as a kid, you just connect the dots. And I think adults may have had even more of a sample to start connecting those things and yeah. making it's, this it's, character, it's, character It's like likely. the real strength of Spider-Man and Peter Parker and why he's popular to begin with is because he's a regular, quote unquote, yeah. Person. And then just to summarize the rest, like, you know, the explanation behind his powers, the the movie just does so much in such little time that, you know, if if I was to describe someone, the, the movie, right, is like, oh, he gets his powers, he does this, he, he, he begins, you know, he did the whole wrestling thing. Like, if you break it down and explain each of those scenes to someone, it's typically what movies – now require two movies to do right like like yeah. setting it up and getting the execution right this movie just did it in, in such a short amount of time uh leading up to a pretty great climax with uh an antagonist that even willem dafoe as a kid like he was menacing he was you know i i think he portrayed an excellent figure of you know what a kid or even just an adult should should fear to an extent. So I think the movie yeah. checked uh, like all the boxes from what you would want to see in an intro film. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's a very good origin story yeah. for a, for, for, I mean, a Spider-Man, but also just a superhero or a, a movie with someone has superhuman powers. But Brett, what do you think of the first Spider-Man movie? I know you just revisited all of them recently, right? You just rewatched all yeah. the Tobey Maguire's. Yeah, that that is kind of part of the reason why I, I really wanted to be on this one because I just just by kind of happenstance building up to this movie, um, I rewatched uh, all three of them, and yeah, I, I I really love the first movie. I think you know, and we'll talk about it the second, but uh, you know, the second movie. But I, I just think that a lot of the love for the first movie gets lost in kind of how great the second one is. 
But a lot of the stuff that happens in the second one is like stuff that was kind of being built in the original movie. Um, and I, I just love how like character centric it is really. I'll, I'll say all three of these movies, how like character focused they are um, on, on the relationships and their, their dynamics. Um, I just think Sam Raimi is a perfect fit. Like this, movie was made in kind of that perfect, like, I don't know, like, I, I think there's a range of time periods where like, if you were a good director, um, making a movie between like 1990 and like 2003 or four, maybe five too, but like a 15 year gap where if you were a good director, like there was this beautiful hybrid of, um, practical and CG, kind of fusion that you could kind of figure out. Yeah. And I think that Sam Raimi really, really knew how to do that. And I think he started to figure that out in this one, but then by the time the second one hit um, and the third, to an extent, like he really knew how to portray um, Spider-Man in like a, in like a blockbuster movie. And I don't think anybody's done web slinging better than Raimi in, in, in uh, you know, like this movie it's, you know, the moment when he is going to, you know, use his, his, uh, his webs for the first time and all that stuff. It's just so, it's such good, like hero building kind of character development stuff that, um, is, is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I, I think you're right. Like, I feel like that's what makes this movie so unique and such a timepiece is the fact that you haven't seen anything like this before i mean they literally invented camera rigs that they use at nfl games to make you feel like you're swinging through new york yeah. and that mix with danny elf it's a, it's a great you know it reminds me of of what sam raimi does really well which is take really really big swings if you've seen any evil dead movies even his first movie ever drag me to hell they are not at all subtle and their characters are are you know i mean Bruce Campbell, like, um, so, you know, you, you have a movie like this where these are big operatic sweeps, Willem Dafoe becoming, you know, his friends, his best friend's dad is this evil millionaire and he can't tell his best friend or there's a, you know, he can't tell Mary Jane that he loves her, but he's also saving a bunch of people around town. Like a lot of that stuff works really well. And I think that, yeah, the first one was such a really good origin and um, I mean, there's 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 a lot of stuff too that makes it just a perfect time. I, you know, New York is a huge part of this movie, and there's a there was a lot of uh, reshoots and re-editing and remarketing that had to happen because uh, 9/11 happened, yeah. and they had to pull all of the reference to the Twin Towers, all of the posters built for that, and. I specifically remember scenes where he's like going through New York with giant American flags behind him and a bunch of NYPD, you know, cheering him on. And there was like an an oddly placed, but maybe perfect for the time patriotism to this movie. And I could imagine after like having a really bad year going to the movie theaters and feeling really good after watching Spider-Man and somehow feeling like, oh, well, you know, here's a good person doing really good things and helping people. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it was such a it's it's so different because right, X Men and Blade came out, and those movies were really brooding and dark, yeah, character focused, but they weren't necessarily things you were going to take your kids to or you weren't going to feel good, quote unquote, leaving. Unless, unless you're my parents. 
<laughs> that's true. Yeah. But your parents are also uh, day walkers. Yeah. So <laughs> no, and, the- and no fairness, we rented it. So I don't think I saw Blade in the theater. I think it was just we re-rented the movie. I uh, just want you to know, Lex, that there's no statute of limitations on getting arrested <laughs> for showing underage kids rated R movies. So Okay. That's good. <laughs> to I don't know. want them. They arrest for that. It's, it's you, a heavy duty you'll crime. You'll get arrested man. for that. Yep. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're the- yeah, through, dude, just speaking to your, uh, yeah, the patriotism is interesting because it's like, you got to kind of put yourself in the mind of like, this is 2002. It's a very New York movie. Yeah. And literally the final shot of the movie is like him landing on a, an American flag. And you just got to imagine like everybody in the theater was like, fuck yeah, man. Like Spider-Man. Yeah. I, New York. Like we, we persevere. And that's I mean, like, even uh, if, that's like cool patriotism. To me. Yeah. And I mean, even if you think back to the, uh, the moment where, uh, you know, the climax of the movie where, uh, Peter's saving Mary Jane uh, from the Green Goblin. And, you know, in order to overcome the challenge that he was making by choosing between, you know, uh, the group of kids and Mary Jane and stuff like that, he was trying to manage those two things. And um, in, in a very climatic or in a very like intense moment, like the, the people of New York start helping him and they actually distract the goblin for him to do what he needed to do. And I think that's like, unlike the movies that we spoke about, like the superhero movies that we had been to ex- exposed to live action wise, at least uh, beforehand, they didn't really go into that extent to, to showcase the kind of impact that a character like Spider-Man can have on the people that he around and Mm. and i think even just that moment of people rallying up as far as like you have to take on all of us and together like you can't really do that i think that whether it was in direct response to the events of 9-11 or not i think like you said it must have felt good especially if you're someone from new york seeing that but as someone who perhaps like on my end um, as being a kid and, and, and perhaps you're not constantly thinking of those things and the horrible things that happened on that day, you even then, like, even if you're not thinking about that, seeing an expression of that unity, um, it, it carries with you. And, and like yeah. I said, we hadn't had a superhero that did that at least, uh, in live action. Um, I yeah. mean, you can, you can think of like, you know, the, the Richard Donner Superman movies and things like that. But I think, I think it, even then it wasn't in this modern era, like the, the level of unity that you needed to see. Yeah, you're right. And I think that that's, it's, it's what's really fun about the Sam Raimi movies. I think Brian, you brought up all the relationships and dynamics, but so many relationships with humans, almost none apart from the villain with anyone who like, he's having problems with his boss and yeah. his girlfriend and his grand and his aunt and, um, that's really oh, where most of the tension in the movie is. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really good. Well, uh, uh, two years after, it, you know, he, he signed on for multiple movies and became really, really wealthy, Tommy McGuire. Um, but a lot of folks, and brand you alluded to this, Amazing, or damn, I keep saying Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2 is kind of where a lot of people still see the peak of superhero movies. And I think a lot of that is is due to Doc Ock and the portrayal by Alfred Molina. It's a textured and layered and kind of a tragedy kind of movie. Um, and, and it doesn't, It's it has that classic, you know, darker tone that most follow-up sequels make, like since Star Wars. Um, but Brent, what'd you think about Spider-Man 2 from 2004? Let's see, let's do the math. You're now still oh. not in the double digits yet as a, as a boy. 
I was. Wait, are, are you talking me or Lex? Me, you I don't remember said that, but then, but yeah, then, you, you oh shit, jokes he like was in double digits in the first time. Uh, I was. <laughs> well, sorry, <laughs> like, you go ahead. You go ahead, Brent. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Spider Man Two uh, is is a masterpiece. Honestly, like I, you know, rewatched these movies recently. Have always had a fond recollection of Spider Man Two. Um, even just to go back a little bit, like Spider Man Two was in that era. Of and this is what I almost brought up earlier when we were talking about this, you know, these movies overall. But like, this was in the era where, like, Revenge of the Sith was coming out. I was getting into like movie blogs and like movie, uh, movie websites and and rumor mills and all this stuff. And I was following like every little trickle, you know, every little possible thing, every possible leak. And there was like all this stuff about like the chameleon and Sandman was like all that stuff was rumored for this one. Um, and then by the time it happened, like the trailer dropping was a, a huge deal. And I still remember, like, I haven't even seen it in, in a decade plus, but that trailer where the car flies over Peter's head in the, in the yeah. diner or whatever. And it's just so, it's so goddamn good. Um, but, uh, no, this movie I think is, is basically a perfect superhero movie. Um, Doc Ock is great. Like Alfred Molina is incredible. Uh, just the fact that he, he's so incredibly like human and like kind to Peter, but he kind of, it very much is like a, uh, uh, who's, who's the equivalent like monster, like the Wolfman, I guess maybe is like the equivalent, like universal monster. Yeah. Uh, this person who gets like taken over by this thing, but, um, but by, but at the end he gets that, he gets that spark of humanity back. Not yeah, according yeah, to No Way Home. Yeah. Just gonna, oh, never mind. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, I'm, very I hope curious. they address it. I hope they just don't like want to undo. Apparently, they did consult with Sam Raimi, so I'm hoping there's a good tie-in. I mean, yeah, Ra- Raimi's in the in the family now, so I hope that I, – I am nervous about some things that they're doing, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, um, but uh, the other thing I just wanted to say about, too, the reason I think it works so well is the amount of conflict – that it has and not even like it does have that kind of like action, you know, like characters are in danger conflict, but it's just like the fucking stakes that they get from having Peter like lose his job, um, have aunt may, uh, aunt, aunt may, aunt may, why does that sound so weird when I say it? But aunt may can't open a savings account. She can't get a toaster. It's just like all of these <laughs> little moments that just completely build to this, like, holy shit, this guy is like a human being. It's like, yes, he's a superhero and he's incredible, but it's like, God, his life is pathetic. He's he's Um, having a hard time keeping the secrets. And by the end of it, it gets to a point where he, all of his secrets are just out there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, I still, I think it's just a perfect superhero movie. It's so, so good. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. Lex, how do you feel about uh, Spider-Man two? Yeah, I think, uh, Brent hit a lot of the things like that that I feel towards the movie. I I consider it still to this day probably the best superhero movie sequel. Um, where like the second one, um, and I say it greatly out out performs. But oh, like, wait, it, but but Lex, have you seen Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer? Yes, I've seen it. It, oh. it was a close. It was a close second. <laughs> Uh, oh, I keep flopping, <laughs> but the the it I mean it outdid what the first one 
did without without taking credit away from the first movie because as we said it's such a great origin movie but i think that the depth that this one adds the the characters and even just continuing that uh, those many uh, st- story threats, like we're talking about, the relationship he has with Aunt May, Mary Jane, balancing life, work life, school life, I think it's just great. Like it humanized them even further. He was already, he was introduced as a human in the first movie that just so happens to now be capable of doing these things. It doesn't free you from the responsibilities and from the burdens that everyday humans have. And I love that. It, it what may have alienated him as a character because he can do super extraordinary things like it just took it back and and it doesn't matter like you're seeing him deal with the things that everyday people do and even as a kid like i was just i was just seeing like you know i wasn't thinking of like oh i guess like what does my college life look like you know uh 15 years from now or whatever but as a kid i'm seeing an adult who you would think he would have stuff figured out or you would think that things go his way a lot more because of the kind of things that he the kind of person he is and the kind of things that he does for other people and that's just not it's more complex than that so i love that element of it um i think also though a bold strategy for them to show you him just wanting to you know put this part of his life away for a moment so that he can i mean not for a moment he wanted to be permanent he wanted to be a regular person he didn't want to carry that burden and i think that's a great conflict to have and though the 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 body of uh, of sample um that of of the superhero genre wasn't as vast as it is right now i don't think even movies today have been able to replicate that decision making and replicate you know that the weight of of these heroes and what they carry yeah normally the movies today they go into this fact of like they just deal with it or like you know the it turns out great for them or uh, they show yeah. like a minute of conflict and and then like oh but yeah he, he remembers who he is this movie took a uh, uh, took its time in presenting that idea and making you feel the the repercussions of that and yeah. I, I think I heard someone say that, you know, in the first movie, he became Spider-Man out of that that sense of, uh, you know, responsibility instilled by Uncle Ben. But in this movie, you know, he left that behind and then he re-engaged into being Spider-Man, but this time not out of responsibility to someone else, but it's because something he, he wanted to do. So even just coming back to that and, and elevating and evolving the character once again i i think even though that movie's been out for so long and it, it, it's it's a truly great blueprint i don't think a lot of people or a lot of the movies now in execution been able to even replicate part of the success uh however mm-hmm. i feel like it's inspired a lot of things in many ways um i i'm a big superman fan as some people may know and i recall specifically some of my favorite episodes in the smallville series dedicated to superman where the mm-hmm. episodes where he lost his powers and that happened multiple times throughout the 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 seasons and it kind of threw back to the moment that you know the sam raimi franchise accomplished with the second movie um and in in terms of the burden and the things that come with that right uh but yeah it's a great movie the action is amazing Uh, i recently rewatched it as well uh uh like brent 
the whole trilogy. I, actually, I think I stopped midway the third one because I didn't have enough time. Uh, but I have to say the the visual effects uh, have aged quite well, in my opinion. When you look at other movies from the mm-hmm. time, not everything gets to feel in a way you know still fresh um and i think that has to do with the style of the sam raimi spider-man as far as like his fighting style the swinging like we talked about the shots that were used um i think all of those things combined not just the visual effects make it so that it still age, ages very well yeah yeah, and I think Brent mm-hmm. talked about a little bit that marriage between practical and CGI. Obviously, Dr. Octopus, Doc Ock, as I call him to save time, yeah. um, has 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 puppets yeah. uh, you know, on, on his back that, that then is married to some CGI stuff. But yeah, this movie elevates every single element of the first Spider-Man film. Um, the relationships are more complex. The betrayals are, are much deeper. I alluded it to earlier, but you know... Uh, Harry Osborn yeah. finds out who Peter who Parker is Spider-Man. <laughs> Mary Jane finds out. Everybody knows. Uh, Doc Ock, you know, figures it out. It's it's kind of a, 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 a that level of thing. The visual effects are really good. It's the first of the Spider-Man movies to win an Oscar for that uh, for visual effects. I think that there's a lot of this movie that is just about a about a perfectly balanced movie, especially when it comes to the necessities of these big budget action sequences. There's the perfect amount of those things that are tied up with story, perfect amount of, you know, his home life. And then you, when it starts to get it, when it starts to feel misbalanced, when we're seeing a lot more Doc Ock, when we're seeing a lot more Spider-Man, his his personal life is dealing with that too, because there's imbalance there. And, you know, we saw a lot of Mary Jane in the beginning. Now we're seeing less of her. And yeah. subconsciously as the audience member, you're like, oh man, yeah, maybe he's not around more. But then you're like, oh yeah, watch the movie. He's dealing with other stuff. So it does feel like he's absent. And I think that's kind of what's really clever about it. And I think that, I think that, that Doc Ock and Alfred Molina, who is apparently a really big part of of No Way Home, at least from the trailers. I I, I think it's, I think it's one of the most empathetic villains, quote unquote, most complex. And I, and I think it really works well, um, especially in, in this version but this is a very successful film ends on a semi cliffhanger because harry osborne punches a window and finds daddy's suit in the very like kind of i don't know oh and and then the other thing i thought that was really cool and it's totally a san raimi thing he he has these kind of conversations with his dead uncle in like the ether or in his mind that's really clever and really fun yeah it was very very emotional very good moment to see yeah uh, uncle ben return for that especially once again a pivotal moment where he makes that choice like i said uh and that's why i think you know thematically perhaps they didn't even show him beyond that because once again this time to become spider-man it was it it wasn't even about his uncle anymore and i I think yeah thematically that works as well um one thing I, w- I was going to say real quick, uh, be because of, of what you were talking about, Manny, like, I think it's just this movie has a lot of a lot of moments of greatness and, and a lot of memorable stuff. Of course, the, the train scene, it's amazing. Uh, is this the one where the, the the little boy, he makes him promise not to tell who he is? Or is yeah, that the next no, one? No, it's this one. It's, the, it's, it's in this the one. train scene. Uh, uh, once again, a moment of unity with the people of New York and uh, uh, the, the, the 
the idea of what Spider-Man does to these people and, and the inspiration, they actually stood in front of uh, Doc Ock knowing what he can do and, and, and how villainous he is to protect them. And they, you know, see who he is behind the mask and they specifically say, you know, this is not coming out of us. Like we're, we're not, we're not going to tell the world. We know what that means. And that perfect the opposite of, uh, it's the, it's the opposite uh, of uh, see something, say something. Oh, yeah, no, I thought you were, <laughs> it's the opposite of Tom Holland where like people know who he is oh, and yeah. they're like, you're the devil. Uh, but the, what I was going to say is like that great moment. I think it's really touching and, and on many levels, it just talks about who Spider-Man is, but I recall the specific line of someone from that train sequence just saying like, he's not much older than my kid. And like that, that carries so much. And, you know, um, we forget that Spider-Man truly is just, just a kid, a kid from Queens. Um, and uh, just before we move on to the next movie, I got to say like another one of those super memorable, well-aged things about this film in particular is that speech uh, that Aunt May gives to Peter in a moment where he needs it about, you know, there's a hero in all of us and, and what a hero does. I've actually heard, heard that speech being given on like certain montages of the character and it's just like it's timeless in my opinion so it's it, once again in many ways this movie represents what uh, i don't want to put it in a bubble and say like what a spider-man movie should be because i do like differences throughout the franchises and the different the different takes like i like a fresh take and you don't always have to follow the blueprint to a t but the emotion that it gives to the audience. I think those are the things that you should go after replicating because it's good things and it, it's yeah. in character. Yeah. Maybe one of the best Spider-Man because movies, because it's the most complex of all, of all the Spider-Man movies. Well, Brent, it's time to talk about your favorite one. Um, and that is 2007 Spider-Man three. Everyone's back, baby. This They're all the back. Go. This is, this, I mean, in, in terms of the, 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 the theater going climate at the time, people are wanting to make these kinds of movies. Uh, you know, MCU's already, it's already gearing up and ready way. to go. Yeah. It's on the way. People are seeing this. The X-Men movies are coming out. This is like, there's an Indiana Jones movie coming out. Like this, Spider-Man, I, I, it's kind of odd to say, but I don't know if there's like Spider-Man, especially after Spider-Man 2, is like the is the template and it is the, you know, it's, it's what everyone wants from a big budget blockbuster movie. So, you know, everyone's expecting an incredible masterpiece from Spider-Man three. Um, Brent, what did you think about Spider-Man three? Are you a Venom stan, a Sandman stan? <laughs> what else? Christopher. I'm, I'm, Green I'm Goblin a stan. A, I'm a bit of a, a stand man. Stan Lee cameo, stan, man. Stan, Sandman stan. Uh, Listen, this movie has some undeniable problems. All right. We got to come out and say it. Got to be honest here. Um, there's been a lot said about Raimi's conflicts with Sony. Um, their uh, kind of forced admission of Venom and how much you kind of feel that in the movie, um, that that wasn't something that he necessarily wanted. Um, this movie came out when I worked at, uh, the Palladium theater. Um, when I, when I worked there nice. and 
we were showing, yeah, we were showing showings, you know, we were showing it, uh, 24 hours a day around the clock. So I had like some shift where I worked like 10 AM or 10 PM to like 6 AM or something crazy. But, um, but yeah, no, I saw this movie and was, uh, pretty confused when I first saw it. I was probably 17 or 16, I guess at this time, barely legal. <laughs> I don't think that's how that math works, but, Uh-oh. uh, <laughs> Whoops. um, Yeah, Uh, but uh, I I saw it and I was confused and I remember seeing it again because I I mean, at this point, I'm a a just died in the wool, huge Spider-Man Raimi movie fan. This is like one of my most anticipated movies ever seeing it again. I think liking it a little more, but still being like, oh, okay, and kind of that just kind of being my big takeaway. I will say I have not seen this movie since then, I think my second viewing. Oh, wow. And then I watched it, um, I think, three or four weeks ago. And it has aged kind of kind of well for me, honestly. I think this movie is all right. I, I don't hate it. I don't think it's like a huge blasphemous entry in this in this trilogy. I think it's undeniably very messy and has things that I would just lift right out of the movie uh personally like venom and uh and um you know maybe gwen stacy as well uh because i think there's enough drama with with harry and and mary jane and and peter that you don't need that really um but it also was a thing of like at this point when i watched it we are 13 years deep in the mcu right there are shows coming out every two months. There are movies coming out every two to three months. We uh, just subscribe to the countdown to infinity podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, please subscribe. Um, here I am like tanking the podcast. I'm on now, stop they're, listening. They're 44 uh, minutes in. I'm sure they're subscribed or just uh, maybe uh, passed yeah. out. <laughs> no, but, uh, and, and it's funny. I'm not even, I'm not even like, using this to like talk bad about the MCU, but we kind of generally know how these movies are going to unfold, Uh-oh. right? Brent's taking off his mask. It's Martin Scorsese. Oh, it's me. He snuck it's into the pod. Marty's oh, here. Marty's in the building. Uh, no, but I just mean that when I rewatched three, um, I was like, this is so weird and so different. And in a way it felt, kind of refreshing to get some of those weird, like like Sam Raimi is having fun in a lot of specific ways in three, um, <laughs> uh, you know, with like, um, I don't know, the, the Venom suit and all of that stuff. That stuff kind of worked for me this time when I saw it because I was just like, this is so wild for a superhero movie yeah. and I appreciate the swings that he's taking, even if I don't like Venom as like a character and I yeah. don't like... Topher Grace in this movie. Holy shit, get him out of there. Um, but, uh, you Norman. know. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Okay. I, I just remembered now, and this is partially because I also got uh, uh, semi-permanent amnesia, that uh, Harry does have amnesia at the beginning of the film, and that is just to prolong the revelations of the first movie, or the second film. Does that make sense? Because you think after that, you're like, oh, he's just going to kill. He's just, But you're like, no, we can't do it yet. 
that's not great. That's very like, okay, let's, we're let's, spinning our wheels here. <laughs> like, but, but, yeah. but Lex, what'd you think about it? I know that you're a big fan of more, more, more. Um, would you have liked to have seen more uh, villains? And it's funny because I feel like that's like the, that's the base level response. I remember at the time being like, there's too much plot. It's so heavy. There's more villains. Yeah. And here we are about to see a movie that is about to feature a dozen characters. Exactly. That's why, yeah, time has we'll see. made the movie age very differently. But Lex, yeah. what, did you, what did you think about Spider-Man 3? I think this would the, the biggest flaw in the movie is that it didn't have 10 villains. Because oh. I think that... If a new one every minute, if baby. you want to get them out of the way, like just just make it so that any other Spider-Man reboots, if they make a villain, if they what whichever villain they select, you've already done it. Yeah, I think that should have been the goal. Um, I mean, but- you're not wrong. Like having a shared amount of spotlight on the backstory and sometimes the origination of each villain is difficult. But like, if someone just shows up and says, "I'm you know chairman." And I love chairs and I can make chairs into well, something. I'm cool with that. That yeah. sounds good. I love that. <laughs> well, you don't need to see my, my custody battle. Yeah. <laughs> or what? what is Sandman? Uh, it's it's uh, his daughter's sick. And oh. he, but he's from prison. Yeah. Well, <gasps> he was on right? the run. Oh, did he escape? Okay. No, yeah. he didn't escape. He escaped. Oh no, he did. He yeah. did. He did escape. Yeah, because that's I think he's so. initially crawling out. Yeah. So, uh, but he was. I, I like the. Well, let me let me start off with what I think about the movie. Uh, I, I know we keep interrupting you, Lex. I think I am. Of, well, I do. I've. It, it's gone. This movie and in my um, my thoughts on it has gone on a way because. I was still fairly young when watching the movie. Uh, Let's do the math, Lex. You've given us your 12, age the last 12. two. Oh, yeah. Barely legal. I was, <laughs> God. Um, I was 12. Uh, super big Spider-Man guy, like Spider-Man uh, like fan, especially after the first two movies. Seeing this for the first time, I, like I didn't know. I think at that age, you still – don't know what a bad movie is in yes. in like yeah. especially mm-hmm. in this genre if that makes sense like I, I i don't think you start defining those things until later in life because it's still at this time it's early on where you're not i wasn't going to youtube and watching reviews i wasn't going and reading reviews like so you don't you don't have any outside opinions you know filter in right so i don't even think run tomatoes was a thing it's possible that it so. wasn't uh, but you know now i do i do watch a lot of reviews that just to there's certain people that i value their opinions and it i treat them as such like opinions however sometimes like looking at a movie i think of like oh yeah that reminds me of what x person said and so some people don't like that right but i guess what i'm trying to say is as a kid you still have that level of like you know, I'm going to watch and think of the movie of, of what I experienced and nothing else. Like yeah. at that point, you're not even experiencing or like seeing the newspaper to see what people thought of it. Yeah. You're so, just thinking Venom looks cool. <laughs> well, so initially. I'm not even joking. That's what I thought. I think probably. 
I, it might have been what I thought too. I mean, I've I've always liked like the symbiote like texture and all that stuff. Like I thought yeah. that was cool. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, yeah. Brent that year went to go see No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. <laughs> yeah, which both came out at like around the, the time, and you're I, like, hmm. I did. I, I must admit, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that was that was your bar. Yeah, you had. Like, I guess so. Yeah, so as a kid, I'm, I'm just like that was really cool. So I liked it uh, as as a kid. I think I enjoyed it quite. Uh, quite nicely now of course like thinking back like i think as a kid if you asked me which one did you think was cooler i i probably would have said the second one and then you know i think at the same time like you asked me like oh like which toys did you enjoy more well maybe spider-man 3 because there was venom there was sandman there's all these things i i remember i specifically owned a uh, a toy of james franco's uh new goblin I, I remember that so it's like right like there's different takes to take so at the, i think i when i first saw the movie i remember my mom took me and my brother we we had a blast we liked it um I think the the final battle was epic. I think it was one of the most epic that at least at the time like we even when you think back at the 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 Doc Ock and Spider-Man fight, I don't think it was to the scale of this movie when Sandman becomes this giant creature. There's a whole I remember watching a trailer where they played a bit of the news where it was saying this might be the death of Spider-Man. And like, that's like, you're watching a trailer and you're a kid and it's like, Whoa, no way. Like they're not going to yeah. do that. And then you see the betrayal with Harry and all that stuff. I think once again, from that perspective, this movie delivered. And that's how I felt it's as a, big a movie. kid. Yeah. It was big. Yeah. It was epic. And once again, as you said, Iron Man hasn't come out yet. The Avengers movie hasn't come out. So this was the biggest that we had probably in the genre. Yeah. When I rewatch it now as a teen, as, as someone who's seen more movies and things like that, you start feeling that crowd. You, you started watching films, films, cinema, cinema. Yes. On film <laughs> only. Uh, Scorsese, Scorsese films. <laughs> yes. At this point, I, <laughs> I had seen everything that Adam Sandler had put out. Um, and so you gotta, you, you, you have a bar to hit. I, I love Adam Sandler, by the way. That's just a joke. Yeah. Hubie uh, Halloween classic. Um, I'm not joking. It's good. No, I like, I, liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, but once again, as I was a little bit older, I started feeling the crowdiness of the movie and I started noticing some of those gaps. I realized that one of the first things I identified watching the movie, like later on in life was that, I personally, yeah, and once again, this is this changes, but I personally didn't care for the Sandman stuff. I actually thought like the whole movie should have been Venom, and that's it. I like I mm. like that conflict a little bit more. I like the you know oh Eddie Brock's a douche like thing, and and uh, like I as a kid I remember thinking that the emo Spider Man was cool, but then I I see it later in life and I was like ah it's a little corny, but it's okay. But once again, I wanted it to be more about Venom. And so now the movie has grown on me where that crowdiness is still there of all these things that they were trying to do, but I respect what they were trying to do with each of those things separately. It's just the execution of putting that stuff together. Now I feel a little bit different. I feel like, you know what? I now really see watching it now is like, I really see what they were trying to go with Sandman. I know that's what Sam Raimi wanted to do. He, he simply just wanted to do Sandman. That's why there was mm-hmm. a lot of heart behind this character and seeing like 
the element of forgiveness that that, that arc that Peter Parker had to go through calling back to the loss that he suffered in the very first movie. So now mm-hmm. seeing it as an adult, I was like, yes, that's probably what the movie should have focused and still develop these, these dynamics and these conflicts between these other characters. And so it's kind of been like a up and down, up and down to the point where yeah. I am now at where I respect what they were trying to do. I still can't say it's a great film, uh, especially when compared to the, to the predecessors um but i think for me the biggest regret with this film is that it set up some things and it did further who peter parker is as a character because now he was dealing with a sense of you know i did some bad shit like during that state of the, the symbiote and all that stuff so it would have been very interesting to see the follow-up and see him deal with those things um and kind of grow past that and i know that the movie was in place um but i think that's the biggest regret of this movie like looking back now as an adult i watch it and i'm like i i hate that that was the last one that we got with toby it's not anymore. Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it seems like you know something we don't know, Manny, but I kn- I know what's only obvious. <laughs> uh but yeah, so I think I think that's the thing that I hate about this movie the most. Looking back at it, I was like, man, it left us at a point where I it, it's like it didn't feel like it closed what we what we needed. Like we that we got the closure that we needed. So um, yeah, that's kind of like my last thought on it. But uh, and it may change when you watch it again, maybe, huh? Especially after No Way Home, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, this is. I mean, this movie is maybe the most memed movie of this of the <laughs> Tobey Maguire Spider Verse when it comes to just even the uh, you know, of course, the punk rock emo Spidey oh, yeah. scene, but also Bully Maguire. Uh, 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 his aunt uh, exploding just all of a sudden while praying. Um, There's a lot in this movie that is very pop. And I think incredibly, uh, I I just, uh, yeah, well, like, you know, very, very uh, out there and maybe just mismatched, but in piecemeal, I think you're right. If we took just Sandman's story and focused on that, yeah, that, that actually works. Eddie Brock might be okay too. The Venom stuff might work. And obviously the Harry stuff is the most grand betrayal, yeah. amnesia, remembering, going after the people you care about that, that can happen. Um, but it all just happens at once and, and very, very quickly. I mean, there's so much introduction of, of, of new characters still. Gwen Stacy's in this movie. Um, uh, you know, there's a really big turn with J.K. Simmons uh, and, and uh, you know, all that stuff. But this is, a, this is I think, also fit into that time period where – there were a lot of sequels and new big IP stuff happening in, in the industry. I think there's, you know, a Pirates movie. There's a National Treasure movie coming out the week after, like a se- follow-ups and sequels, and then a brand new Transformers movie coming out. So when the first Spider-Man and even the second Spider-Man movie released, they kind of got to take up that space of the conversation and when Spider-Man 3 releases, in order for it to hold everyone's attention, it really had to be like a home run. And because it wasn't, I feel like that's maybe why it's forgotten a lot. Um, because obviously, Michael Bay's Transformers released. And that was the best film of that year. The year that There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old the- Men came out, Transformers kind of redefined. 
amongst the rest. Cinema. And it's sold well, so right. many more toys than those two movies combined. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, but Brent, you do have toys from There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men. You have that air compressor I do, thing. I do have Paul Dano's dead body in the bowling alley. It comes mm-hmm. with the bowling alley. Spoiler alert. Um, and then with the kind of blood-soaked pin. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, my son loves it. My son plays with it all the time. And I, um, and for There Will Be Blood, the number one high selling toy that year was oil. <laughs> wow. Incredible joke. Yeah. That's everybody, everybody was buying it that year. So <laughs> I think you're wrong. Baby. Yeah. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a really fast, quick game. I'm calling it the Toby game. And if you've listened, well, this is the first time you've heard it. But we've recorded these episodes out of order, so Lex kind of has a little bit of a heads up about yes. what this game is. Just pay attention to the title. It's the Toby game. The Toby game. Now, um, yeah. Um, and, and, and Lex, so you've never done this, but you'll see a chat box to the right. Do you see it? I'm going to type something in there now because we are doing this yes, remotely. This is where you will put your answers, and I'm going to keep track of them. And the winner will win... Um, you know, we talked about La La Land earlier. There's a lot of jazz in this movie too, in that jazz bar. Uh, badass. Oh yeah. Do emo kids like jazz? Uh, yes. Is that a thing? Confirmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Confirmed. Okay. Good. Now we know. So I'm gonna ask you questions. A jazz band. A jazz band. <laughs> they, a jazz band. <laughs> they did the La La Land score first, I think. And oh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask some questions about Toby, and you will respond in the chat, and you'll get a you'll get a uh, point for everyone you get correct. Sweet. And then again at home, you can play, but you won't have access to us. Uh, here's the first question in our Toby game. Gross. Toby Maguire has been a vegetarian since what year? Toby Maguire is vegan now, but he's been a vegetarian starting at what year? Wow. We, do we hit enter actually, now? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 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 You can, you can guess and it's literally just whoever gets closest or gets it right on the dot. And Lex, before the pod, we actually talked about this. Not even. Well, not, not even, about Toby, you know, but just vegan stuff. Right. Yeah. Lex is a vegan for no, one meal today. <laughs> for, one for one meal. meal. Yeah. There's a specific <laughs> choice. There, there yeah. was an expiration date with my conversion. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we're doing prices, right rules. So closest without going over and you both went over. So no one gets the point. He's been a vegetarian since 1992, but, but in Spider-Man three, Peter Parker orders a steak and that just doesn't make sense. (laughs) Mm, CGI, (laughs) my friend. No, just kidding. Actually. So he must have been like, that's great. For that long, like still to this day, he's vegetarian. Still to this day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yep. Here's another one. Ironically, compared to Spider-Man's abilities, Maguire has a fear of this. So ironically, compared to Spider-Man's abilities, Maguire has a fear of this. Oh, so Brent, Brent you, text, yeah. you, you wrote in spiders. Lex, you wrote in heights. Lex, you get the point. He's afraid of heights. But Brent, did you know that Lex is afraid of spiders? Okay. I wow. brought this up in an episode and it's not a phobia. Or anything. As a kid, everyone's afraid of spiders. I don't know who. Not me. I don't know which freak. I is kind of just kidding. No. I don't like spiders. I step Yeah. Up. Sorry. But, I mean, Canceled even me. then, I'd be kind of, well, I was usually barefoot around the house. So that's probably why. 
I, I didn't have. Oh, I couldn't. Okay. I couldn't. I grab a shoe. Now I do, mm, but you know what? Even now as an adult, like I grab a shoe and I'm like, if I'm if I'm a second too late, like they're gonna jump at me. Like they know yeah. this is coming. So <laughs> I, I do feel that too. But yeah. I, I, it's not a fear. Like Manny keeps bringing it up as it is a phobia. It's like, how did you watch the movie like without you know stopping? Or, I don't know. I think you're scared. And I will say, though, that Brent really hates spiders. He, at the end of the film, Charlotte's Web, was clapping. It was insane. I've never Kill seen anything like it. that B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's the next question. Apart from his three Spider-Man films, what is the highest grossing movie that Tobey Maguire is in? Apart from Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man 3, what is the highest grossing movie? It made $527 million Jesus worldwide. Wait, nope, I'm what? wrong. Uh, Apart from his hell? three Spider-Man films, what is his highest grossing movie? Tobey Maguire. This is all you, dude. Uh, I, don't, I fucked up. I, I, I can't think of the name, but I'll just I'll just put in what the movie's about. Uh, I, I guess that will count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brent, guess Seabiscuit, the, the horse movie. Right? Horse film. Um, like said, it's the one where he is a priest. I don't even is, know is what that the is. Count, the count? No, wait, no, that's not the Monte Cristo. No, <laughs> that's another actor. I think. Uh, no, count of Monte Cristo. No, it's not that one. But, but Toby Maguire. <laughs> no. talking about a, Philip Seymour Hoffman a, in Doubt. No, he plays a priest. Um, okay. Uh, well, no, you're wrong. Um, if we don't know the title, it probably didn't gross five hundred thirty million dollars. Uh, you're you're uh, like, probably right, but. The movie is Boss Baby. He's in that movie? It's in Boss Baby, yeah. Wait, is he the dad? Uh, Yeah, he's the dad. He's the dad in Boss Baby. Come on. What? Come on. Yeah, I had no idea I made that much money either. I saw that film. I had no idea that he was. (laughs) Wish I hadn't. We watched it in theaters, and we watched that movie on Storks, both animated movies about babies. It's wild. Oh, the movie's called Satan's Alley, by the way. Oh, it's with so Robert Downey that sounds Jr. familiar. Wow! Wow! The, so the other very, it's very similar to Boss Baby, I think. Satan's Alley. Yeah, yeah. Same story, Pretty right? Close. Yeah, same director. Same character. Same character. Right? The other. So there's another childhood actor and personal friend that has acted with McGuire a total of three times in three movies. Who is this childhood actor who is also a friend of his? That has been in three movies. He's acted three times with Toby McGuire. Oh, I'm Your buddies. I'm stupid. God He's a big actor. Brent, I think you know who it is now. Hold on. I like, almost guessed it, but I was like, it can't be that obvious a one because I don't think they've been in that many things together. Yeah. Yes, I think they have. Think. Lex, you guessed Jake Gyllenhaal. Brent, you guessed Lucas Haas. The answer is Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He's been in multiple films. Oh. It's the, Great Gatsby. Uh, yeah. it's the, the pussy posse. What? What did it's you the, say? Do you guys not know? Look it up oh, after this. Wait, I will I'm Google sc- the first part of that. I'm scared. Um, oh boy! Here we go. Following the financial success of Spider-Man, for what film did McGuire command a twelve million dollar paycheck? So it's not a Spider-Man movie. He asked for, and he got twelve million dollars to act in this movie. Boss baby. 
Uh, I'm just going to start guessing this for every single one. <laughs> the, the one where he's a priest. Uh, Alexa, no. you had a heads up because you've done, we we did this already. We recorded Andrew Garfield's, what, three days ago. You should have been studying. I know, like Toby's life. Toby Maguire's life. I literally I Google the same thing you would have seen. It's not like I have a secret in at IMDb. Ooh, Bre- Brothers is a good guess. I forgot about that movie. Brent guessed Seabiscuit likes he guess got Brothers. I don't even think the budget was that much. Brent, you got it correct. Seabiscuit, baby. Ooh. He got paid more than all the horses, I guess, because a lot of them died yeah. during the filming. Okay. Paul Lieberstein plays a former HR rep named Toby in this often rewatched sitcom. Paul who? Lieberstein. Plays a what? Wait, can you just repeat the whole thing? Paul, Lee- Paul Lieberstein plays a famous HR rep oh. named Toby in this often rewatched sitcom. Oh, I didn't even That's see right. Brent's guess. Like, <laughs> it's the office. You both get it right. Uh, there's a turn in this game, Brent. We reached it. Do you? Do you get the turn now? I kind of you. You hit Toby very hard when you told me that, and I was yeah. like, I think I know where this is going. Good. Now everyone's on the same page again. Lex, why did you not Google everything about Toby Maguire before? Because I would have needed to Google everything about <laughs> Toby's in general. <laughs> Yeah. In what paranormal activity film do we finally see the face of the evil entity Toby? Oh, Toby is the name I, of the of the demon in the paranormal oh, activity films. But in which movie? He's invisible in most of the movies, but in what film do we actually see the face of Toby? Can I put the number instead of like the name of the movie? Uh, I, I just did. Does that work? Well, it's because at, the, yeah, t- at sure. the time it was still called Paranormal Activity Three, but I, and then they started doing the blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, you can put you can put a number. Oh. You can put a number, and I'll tell you if you got it right. Now that I have it pulled up. Okay, no, you know what? Actually, now I don't know the number, so I but I remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a, I love the I've actually seen all the Paranormal Activities. Brent, have you seen them all? I've, I've got a re. I've seen the first three. The first three are all good. I think the third might be the best that I've seen. So I gotta, mm, I gotta watch. I really all. like the first. Interestingly enough, just just quick, quick thing because I haven't seen the new Paramount Plus one yet. Mm. Uh, next of kin, reboot. Next of kin, mm. but I, I think the most I went was four. I might mm. have seen the Ghost Dimension a little bit, but that movie was so bad. Like it was, it was meant for it to highlight like three D shit, and it, it was just bad. Mm. Um, but, that was a 3D movie? Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. But uh, I recently saw, like, uh, I don't know if it was Watch Mojo or or so, if it if it wasn't Watch Mojo, it was, like, a, like one of those YouTube channels like that where they did, like, a timeline of all of the Paranormal Activity movies. And so, yeah. despite the fact that I hadn't seen all the movies, I watched that. You get and, it. And you it talked the through it. But it kind of made me want to oh, watch okay. all of them again. So, I don't know. Look. I've seen them all. I just watched Next of Kin, I guess, during Thanksgiving of, was it of good? Uh, this year. It's pretty good. I like it. I will say, though, I watched it and I was like, man, this is beautiful. Like, the shots were beautiful. Yeah. But then I realized cameras have gotten better I mean, beyond. Well, and this one's not a found footage, percent. right? It's more of like a documentary. It's, it's a sound footage. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, they're shooting so it's, a documentary. It's like higher production value than like your mom yeah. and pop shop. Uh, yeah, they're running around with red cameras and stuff. It's fun. I, I it's think beautiful. I actually stopped watching that YouTube video when it came to Next of Kin. In case I, I didn't want to get spoiled, so. 
You gotta watch Next of Kin. Well, you're both wrong because uh, Brent, you guessed three. Lex, you guessed the Mark ones, which is Paranormal Activity 5. You see his face first in 2015 in Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. Mm. Was it that mm. one? Okay. Uh, Obvious. And Google it. He looks scary. All right, here we go. Here's the, there's only wait, so three I more questions. Over? You went over. You went under. You didn't go far enough. But if I get close, don't I win? Well, this isn't, that wasn't a number one. Wow. I'll, okay. t- I'll tell you when it's a number Oh, yeah, okay. true. All right, this famous YouTuber, Toby, boasts over 13 million subscribers across three channels. And he's one of the original YouTubers. What is his name? Go back into your mind to the days when YouTube was a big deal. This famous YouTuber, first name Toby, boasts over 13 million subscribers across his three channels, which is a lot of subscribers. Do you all YouTube or no? Yeah. I don't. I do. Okay. So, Damn, so like, I so do. For his name in- What's his name? What's his name? He literally, I think, is number two behind uh, Philip DeFranco. Who's that? I don't know who that is. Or number three or something. This is wrong. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Fred, guess people. I'm, I'm die. just looking up. I'm just looking up Toby's face now. Is he okay? <laughs> okay I, this may be cheating, but like, can I can I ask? Is he like? Is he still active? Like, he's still active. He also plays video games. <sighs> oh, Lex, I don't think you know it. Yeah, no, you, Toby. No, uh, hold on. Let me guess. Uh, yeah, Toby's very scary. If this is, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a, almost a boring scary. Yeah, because it kind of just looks like a scary ghost skeleton a, man. Like but, a, yeah, night vision face. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one's just bright guess. Pew 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 die pie. Wow, Delphin, you are. Oh, sorry, you are an old man. <laughs> I am. You are just an old little gentleman, aren't <laughs> no, you? No, never mind. Uh, hold on. No, no, no. Hold on. Lex uh, no, is out. It's Toby Toby Turner. Who, uh, no one knows who that is. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know either. Lex, you you, te- you, you wrote in Fred? Yeah. My first guess was funnier, Classic. and I was just going to be funny, but uh, it was in, in, in poor taste, I think. Oh, Here's the next one. orange guy. <laughs> oh, okay. I should have known. Here's the next one. Oh. This Toby worked in all... Okay, this Toby, much like the characters in There Will Be Blood, worked in the oil fields prior to making it big by releasing songs like How Do You Like Me Now and Bear for My Horses. Brent, you get the point. Yeah, I was just like, I-, I could guess what Brent said, but I'd be just at that point just following through. That's Toby Keith, baby. Yeah, I think he also has oh, Red boy. Solo Cup, if I'm not mistaken. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's, he's an old I don't know man. if he's a good guy is what I would say about <laughs> oh, Toby yeah. Keith. I think he he's, opens he's a Trump guy. rallies. <laughs> um, here we go. Final question. So, Brent, you have three. Lex, you have two. Final oh, question. Sure. This is kind of a stretch. I ran out of favorite Tobys, okay? So, bear in mind. Bear, bear with me. Which Shakespeare play features the most famous soliloquy, Toby or not to be? Which Shakespeare play features the most famous soliloquy to be or not to be? And Brent, you get the point because it is Hamlet. Brent, you've won the Toby quiz. Yeah. And that's technically a Toby. Sorry, everyone. Well, that's not it. <laughs> you see, <laughs> you, you get mad for me not doing research. There's no way I could have prepared for that. <laughs> I was going to put Macbeth, but I was like, no, that, this, I think Brent got it right. Yeah. 
Well, so we are coming to the end of this pod, but before we go, let's talk about our final thoughts on the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi films, and then possibly what you expect or what you want to see from him. I mean, obviously these cameos shouldn't be too long, but what you're hoping from their turns in the new No Way Home film. Lex, when you look back at your time as a really a small child, underage, maybe shouldn't have been watching Blade, uh, but what, what, what will you think about Toby Keith? No, what will you think about Toby Maguire and, and his turn as Spider-Man? Yeah, no, I think he still embodies uh, the, the, those movies embody what spider-man uh, is as a character uh and it, it's just epic at many levels the score is still timeless in my opinion like you you hear it even just a bit of it and it calls back to the epicness the hero heroism uh behind the movie uh yeah, the shots, the visual effects, everything, everything still holds well. So it's hard to let it go as your go-to Spider-Man movie, as as your favorite. Um, and I think once again, that is not only due to Toby, what Toby accomplished, but the director, the production, the cast, like the the characters uh, around Toby. So yeah, it, it's great. It's still my favorite Spider-Man, I believe. Um, part of it may be nostalgia, but I think once again, a lot of the things that we've mentioned today is how things are still relevant today to what a superhero yeah. is. Um, I lastly think that the two movies are so good that the third one does not, does not outdo what what the first two did right and then the second the third one's still further to an extent whether we have our gripes about x and y decision uh it furthered the characters uh my only gripe about the franchise as a whole is where it left those characters and that was the last time you saw them uh i would hope that no way home perhaps provides a little bit of that closure uh give us a little bit of insight of where he's at now if he happens to be uh you know an older version perhaps just a little bit of insight in how he's doing and how much he's grown i think it would be really nice um and i would hope that his characters pay tribute via all of those other elements that made the movie memorable so perhaps having the score there having some line you know great power has great responsibility i think those are the mm. things that i would look forward to seeing in no way home nice yeah brent so if you are looking back at your time it sounds like working at you worked in a theater right during this time this is like peak blockbuster time. i spent yeah, yeah yeah man i i spent uh quite a few of my like teenage kind of like ending high school starting college years like in and around working at a theater. So it was uh, it was a big deal. Yeah. Peak. But what do you think about Sam Raimi's and, and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man? And what are you looking forward to in No Way Home? Will, uh, will, uh, will Tobey Maguire look uh, uh, hot still? Oh, you bet. <laughs> oh, All yeah. that gambling money. It's got to <laughs> oh. be paying for those those surgeries. Yeah, uh, we've all seen Molly's game. We know. Um, yes. I was going to say Gerald's game, but that's a different movie. <laughs> that is a different, still good movie though. Um, better, better movie. Better movie, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I just love you know Toby Maguire's Spider Man, and I think what kind of gets lost in the conversation of who is your favorite Spider Man that a lot of people maybe don't think about is I think the reason why a lot of people's favorite Spider-Man is Tobey Maguire is sure. There's some of that nostalgia there, but I think 
a lot of it is Sam Raimi. And I, a lot of it is like, it, it really comes down to, because if you really break down the nitty gritty of like Toby Maguire's acting, his performance choices, all that stuff in the Spider-Man movies, I don't honestly know if you'd be blown away by that much of it. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. But wow. I just think that Sam Raimi's choices as a director and the execution of, 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 uh, you know, the scenes and the character choices and their dynamics and how much time they devote to character and how they, how everything is kind of character driven. Um, that is why I think Tobey Maguire is still a lot of people's favorite Spider-Man because he is, is he was just so well executed. Like it, the first two movies and, and, a, you know, good amount of stuff in the third movie, um, and also there's that nostalgia factor. I mean, as far as no way home, I just don't even know. I don't know, man, because it's like, I'm, I'm fully preparing myself for a like three to five minute end of movie. <laughs> yeah. Pop in because I honestly also think that that is why they're downplaying it so much is because they're like, well, how do we even balance expectations at this point? when we know it's going to be a small thing, uh, you know, because that's kind of what I'm expecting. If not, if it is kind of a more substantial thing where they factor into the movie more, I'll be really excited. Like just the fact of we've been talking about like Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, but like if we do see a like older, mature, more, you know, uh, Peter Parker, that, that, is from his universe. I hope that we do get a little bit more of that history that we never ended up seeing. Like that would be so exciting if he mentioned something about like the vulture in his universe, because that was going to be, I think three or that was going to be the fourth. Yeah. That was going to be, it was going to be John Malkovich in four, I think being the vulture, right. I think is what I read. So it's, it's just stuff like that, that I, you know, fingers crossed it's something like that, but I also don't know how much they want to turn an MCU movie into this big thing. But I mean, I think that they're, they're totally down to do that at this point. So, yeah, I mean, the the MCU is really good at that new kind of meta understanding about their place in pop culture. They reference nonchalantly the Avengers or specific things that they know are like cultural moments in people's, you know, watching of stuff. So even the fact that these actors are in the MCU now in no way home, maybe wink, wink um, is such already a big recognition and meta-ness of like, Hey, thank you for loving Spider-Man for the last two decades um, or so. But yeah, I look, all of Tobey Maguire's films are definitely part of the Sam Raimi vision for Spider-Man. You can tell this is someone who's watched and the, the, you know, all the animated stuff, but has read Spider-Man throughout his life, drawing reference from the comic books and everything else that was Spider-Man before. I think this is, this is, this, all of these feel so connected because they have such a strong, unique visual style. I mean, we didn't even talk about Bill Pope, but Bill Pope did a lot of these movies and they are yeah. they're beautiful, beautiful movies. And they're sweeping through the buildings of New York. That's not something every other character can do. There's like really big swings. He's dealing with, I mean, Spider-Man's so unique because he's trying to live a normal life 
alongside his his kind of vigilantism and this all of these movies address that in a, in a way that really no other characters can uh, at least i mean now i think it's happening with all of the the mcu shows but up until then like everyone was a billionaire or a millionaire or didn't have to worry about any of that <laughs> stuff but here he is like dealing with it and i think yeah such a special group of movies these three and i mean all or most of the Spider-Man movies do draw some kind of inspiration from, from the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi's. Um, but we've come to the end of this pod. Let us know what you thought about Tobey Maguire. Again, I feel like most people do generally like him, even though he does dance on a piano and, uh, you know, use bells to kill foreman. Um, but we come to the end of this pod, Brent, you're the guest. What do you have to plug? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. So go listen to, uh, you know, uh, Manny made a joke about it, but, uh, Transformers is our most recent episode that we did with him on it. Oh on yeah. Director showdown. Uh, it was a really fun episode and yeah, uh, in the macro, we are still talking Michael Bay, Zack Snyder, their movies. We have a couple more each, um, that we are going to be talking. So just go listen to that, go subscribe and go listen to uh, my buddy Eric's podcast cover stories. It's uh, very good. So yeah, a lot of pods. Lex, what do you have to plug? Please do all of the in channel stuff before you start schlepping your other stuff. Uh, no. Well, of course, uh, recently I, I released an episode uh, with Manny as well uh, related to Spider-Man. And this is on uh, my podcast with my co-host Josh uh, called Not in Theaters. And uh, Not in Theaters recently just came back uh, with some fresh episodes. We're continuously recording uh, after a pretty long hiatus. Uh, but we basically talk about, you know, even before the pandemic happened, we were talking about things that are not in theaters. So how would we approach a movie differently? Uh, fan casting, all that stuff, uh, kind of like dream scenarios. Uh, most recently, we talked about with the recent announcement of um, another spider-man trilogy perhaps um we talked about with the tom holland character what we would like to do in a new trilogy what stories we would go which villains etc so uh if you like to think of the what ifs like i think this is a good scenario uh, or a good platform for you to listen to and we have a catalog of like 20 plus episodes full of these like weird and ridiculous scenarios um, nice but yeah Please uh, check us out. And you, you don't want to plug your other pod? No, yeah. No, well, we can also uh, – this one is more – it's similarly a video video podcast. Um, I know it's also available on um, Apple Podcasts. I don't know if it's available in um, – uh, on Spotify, however, it or on or on vinyl, like our podcasts, we're available on vinyl for always all drop, of you. always <laughs> dropping on vinyl, uh, always uh, dropping on vinyl. Alamo Al- Alamo City Movie Talk. Uh, it's a podcast that I guest in a lot, uh, especially on their video. Uh, it's more movie review oriented. Uh, but me and my friend Ryan, we tackle a lot of movies that uh, we want to go deeper on. We do trailer reactions every now and then as well, especially with 
big blockbuster movies such as uh, No Way Home. But yeah, check us out. Uh, some great content there as well. Just once again, I'm a little iffy on the on the platforms available. However, if uh, you look them up on Facebook, a lot of the videos get posted there as well. Nice. Definitely go to patreon.com slash DelphinPod for exclusive content. We can actually, you can see us. We have got, we've got the video pod of this episode. I just realized I was drinking red wine I was gonna, the bottle. Yeah, I was going to ask, is that real? Yeah, or dude, like, king is that shit. water? Like- well, I was thinking like, oh, it's it's, uh, it's Spider-Man. We got to turn the house red. I got to drink uh, red wine. <laughs> and now I'm thinking I have to edit all these pods tonight. But it's fine. Watch all of that and, and we'll see how it looks on online. But um, all kinds of fun stuff. The Countdown Strikes Back, our Star Wars podcast, Remember the Sequel, is out. Dirty Radio. There's so much happening and I'm really excited, um, especially for all of the shows and everybody loves it. We'll have sequels for days and we'll see. Uh, or well, I guess you'll hear us tomorrow for our Andrew Garfield episode and the day after that for the Tom Holland. And then, of course, No Way Home. We Be hope careful with spoilers. It is. I, we hope it's everything that you wanted. Please. Topher Grace is in it. Thanks, Brent, for being on. Oh, man. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you, Brent. This, this, is, this is awesome. A blast, yeah.